It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Later in the program, a special rural crime prevention event taking place on April 27th. Also on the same day, a crop farm walk planned for Bandon. April 27th. Part two of an interview with Mr. Seamus Boland, CEO of IRL, Irish Rural Link. Mr. Pat McCormack, the president of the ICMSA, the Irish Creamery Milk Supplier Association, said that farmers are, quote, on the point of despair, waiting for government action on supports for rocketing fertilizer costs. Pat McCormack said it was now two months since Minister McConnell indicated consideration was being given to some form of financial aid to farmers who had been hit by a quadrupling of fertiliser costs. Mr McCormack said the government's passivity on the matter made a very stark contrast to the proper urgency other member states of the European Union, with notably less developed agri-sectors, had brought to the issue. Referring to Poland's announcement some days ago that the European Commission had approved an €836 million subsidy scheme for farmers in Poland under the State Aid Temporary Crisis Framework. Mr McCormack posed the question whether Ireland had even considered such a proposal to the Commission as had been offered by the Polish government to their farmers. IFA National Farm Business Chair Ms Rosemary McDonough said farmers across all sectors here were being hit by an array of spiralling input costs which were, she said, eroding already low margins for most farmers. Aggregate agricultural output prices rose by 19.2% in February against 2021 levels, but aggregate input prices rose by over 28%, with increases in certain fertilisers up 180%, fuel 38.5%, feed 20%, and electricity 22%. The IFA National Farm Business Chair, Ms Rosemary McDonald, said it was simply not sustainable at current levels to farm. Farmers cannot be left, she said, in limbo and are expected to carry on regardless. Ms McDonald said farmers needed more forward thinking and swift strategic action from government right across the value chain. Unlike others, farmers didn't have the luxury of being able to pass on the added cost of production to others and farmers could not be left to carry all of the risk and costs of the energy crisis. Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association National Beef Chair Mr Edmund Graham said if beef farmers in Germany were achieving a €6 kg for beef level, there was no reason for Irish farmers not to get the same. Mr Graham said... 
The ICSA had been warning for months that beef prices must hit the €6 kg mark if farmers have any hope of coping with seriously inflated input costs. He said €5 a kg is no cause for celebration when it doesn't even cover your cost of production. And if farmers in Germany are achieving €6 a kg, then that's what we must demand also here. Farmers at this week's meeting of the North Cork IFA executive outlined their concerns about the Cork to Limerick N-M20 roadway and the Mallow to Dungarvan greenway because of the upheaval to their farming businesses and the need for certainty regarding compensation and the timelines for the projects. IFA North Cork chairman Mr Patrick Keefe said the North Cork area is a top-class, highly productive agricultural area and the new Cork to Limerick motorway will cause significant damage to farmers. Equally, Mr O'Keefe said, farmers were concerned about the impact of the Mallow to Dungarvan Greenway project. Pat O'Keefe said the IFA would be seeking an urgent meeting with the County Council and consultants on the road project to put the views and issues arising from the meeting directly to the project promoters. More information available on the N. M20 Roadway Project can be found on the following connections www.corklimerick.ie all lowercase or by contacting 061-973-730 that's 061-973-730 or the NM20 Project Office at the following info at corklimerick, one word, dot i.e., all lowercase. Next, the Mockery Report. Hi, John, it's Marie here, Shandoon PRO and Ballincollig PRO. Best of luck to Whitechurch Mockery and Clonakilty Mockery in the National Drama Final. Carberry Mockery are hosting the final in Rossmore this evening. Mockery and Affirma's AGM will take place on Saturday the 14th of May. Anyone who wants further information can contact their NCR or county chairperson. Entries are now open to Irish Agricultural College's students for the Mockery and Affirma Farm Business and Technology Award. The award forms part of the annual Ag Challenges Day involving Ireland's seven agricultural colleges. The overall winner will receive a top prize of €1,000 along with a trophy for their college and a €500 technology grant for the winning college. The final, it takes place on April 27th at Gertine College in County Tipperary. You can keep an eye on our social media pages to see what we're up to and new members are always welcome. Thank you. Maraid Tuig with that Mockra update. Thank you, Maraid. Mr. Seamus Boland, CEO of IRL, Irish Rural Link, joins us on the farm programme to have a look at the situation regarding wind turbines, turf and forestry in rural areas of Ireland. Yeah, I think in terms of the turbines, there are resolutions to this and we've helped some communities to find those. Look, you need, turbines need to be built in areas where there is no houses, if possible, or no communities or no uh, towns. But in in the situations where they're still close to residential areas, then the principle of community gain or indeed house gain comes into place. And I think the utility companies, first of all, must budget uh, for that uh, situation. Otherwise, uh, people, you know, are bearing the brunt 
of having to live with these um, turbines beside them. And I think it can be done. The second thing in terms of uh, the forestry, again, you know, I think there's a strong case for mixing the kind of trees we sow so that we don't have all these one tree forests real dark and and you happen to be unlucky enough to be living in the middle of them. Again, all of these can be resolved through good, solid community consultation by bringing in uh, brokers and mediators to try and resolve it because communities are not, you know, they're not against everything. They're not always saying no. But what they are saying is don't impose it on us. Don't force us to have to live with this situation. Allow us to resolve it or to present our own solutions. And in many cases, communities are very good at presenting their own solutions. So I think, you know, it's probably wrong to say, to overstate that the dangers of forestry or even wind turbines, but it's equally wrong to pretend that they don't cause anxiety and problems for people living in rural areas. Talking about anxiety, I understand you have been in consultation with Miss Neve Nolan regarding the Farmers for Safety, which we aired on our programme, because when we talk about prosperity and well-being, it's not just safety from PTO shafts and safety from uh, livestock or bulls, but Farmers for Safety, that's highlighting the mental stresses, the pressures which people are undergoing. People are pulled in several directions at once as fertiliser or as prices and all this stuff. But I understand that Farmers for Safety, that's something that you endorse and we are recognising that people are under pressure and there needs to be some way of people interacting with one another and uh, perhaps it might be broadband or increasing the means of communication between people living in possibly very remote areas. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, we're delighted. Like Irish Rural Link, uh, I launched this project uh, last week in uh, just outside Formoy, and uh, we were very pleased to do that um, because, of course, Neve works alongside us in developing this. Farmers for Safety is a lot more, as you said, than the protecting the drive shafts and making sure the loaders are properly set down on the ground and making sure there's no loose material or holes in the yard which could endanger the life of children. It's also about um, bringing a sense of well-being. Farming, as you know, is a lonely life, very lonely, and lots of people, um, you know, are there hours in, on their own. And farming is also a risk uh, career because often the things go wrong and the, the income isn't happening, the weather's wrong, there's something uh, comes up and, and really brings people to their knees. And yet, you have to have the mental strength in order to survive all of that. So we would argue that one of the biggest causes of accidents on farms is anxiety, is worry, and is people not feeling the best. And we keep saying to farmers, you need to talk to one another, talk to Irish Rural Link, talk to your organisation, Chagask, or talk to IFA, or any of the organisations will help you and don't ever be um, such that you're so alone and so anxious and so lonely to, that you, you you can't function. Because even if you don't do damage or intended damage, you can cause an accident and that can impact on you or your family or someone else. 
So it's a, it's a big program. We hope to expand it. We're very pleased with the Department of Agriculture for funding it. And we hope it will uh, develop into a much wider program. And look, if there's farmers listening, uh, please get in touch with Irish Rural Link or Neve. She's working with us. And uh, we'll, we'll get you involved in the program. It's a brilliant program. But on the status of turf and turf burning, people in rural areas are up in arms because they say traditionally they've been able to harvest turf and have a lovely warm turf fire. And they say the bogs are part of Ireland's uh, natural property. But on the other hand, environmentalists and people who are not too much into the green message believe that bogs, the existing bogs, are great carbon sinks. Would you like to comment in general on turf, the value of the bogs as they are, and the general situation regarding turf and the bogs? Well, coming from Irish Rural Link, I'm going to say something which may not be massively popular, but we we have to wake up and realise we should all be concerned about the environment because the environment or down the year, down up to 2050 is not looking good. So we have to do something. And unfortunately, turf contributes, burning of turf contributes to all of that. So one way or another, we're already moving away from turf. The decline in turf cutting over the years has gone, uh, it's a substantial decrease and even 10 years ago, and that's reducing all the time. So people are already saying no. However, the current crisis is really one that makes no sense because the transition for, that people have to make is big. It's, it costs around anything from twenty to 80000 a house to change your system. And not many people have that money. And they've brought in grants, and that's a good thing. But unfortunately, the grants don't really help you if you're on the low income. So we have to wait and do it properly. What the current crisis should have uh, been solved, it should have said this. Let's uh, reduce the turf cutting, but let's increase the supports needed for people to change their systems. And that will happen gradually and slowly and to the point where you have no more turf cutting. So really changing the system in three months, in other words, stopping the sale of turf in the next three months, means there are thousands of households will go without essential fuel to heat their houses. Now, that's just terrible. You can't make people uh, effectively die with the cold because how are they going to change their systems within three months. So we've asked government, pause this one for another year, get the grants, especially um, supports needed for the very lower income, to help them get their system changed. And remember, getting tradesmen to do this job is very difficult at the moment, and they're not available, and they're not even trained. So if they persist with the policy, John, then many people could, and I'm not being dramatic here, but it's true, will not have heat for their houses in the winter. And I don't think that's acceptable. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Seamus Boland, CEO of IRL, Irish Rural Link. Thank you very much. You're very welcome.
on Gardaíochta Cáine, the IFA, and members of the National Rural Safety Forum are inviting local community members to take part in the National Community Engagement Day on Wednesday, April 27th. With more on this, the IFA Deputy President, Mr Brian Rush, joins us. First of all, thanks for the opportunity to speak there and speak to your listeners. I suppose as part of my job as Deputy President, I would uh, work quite closely with Gardaíochta Cáine around the whole area of rural crime. And as you know, it's a key concern for our members and farmers in the countryside. But also as part of that role in, in working with the guards, I'm also co-chair of a thing called the Rural Safety Forum. And I co-chair that with the Assistant Guard Commissioner, Paula Hillman, who is in charge of community policing and roads. Uh, and on that Rural Safety Forum, there's a number of different bodies represented. Uh, Age Action Ireland, uh, the ICA, the ICSA, the ICSA, Mockhunter Pharma, a lot of rural organisations. But as part of that, on the, on the 27th of April, we've, we're having our second community engagement day. The first one was back actually three years ago, but because of COVID, we weren't, we weren't able to have it. So this is the first one now post-pandemic. And the whole idea is for local communities to get an opportunity to meet and get to know their local guards. So it'll be a staging point in a community, and this is where the IFA network is so valuable because, as you know, we have 944 branches so and, and 29 county executives. So the guards have been in contact with some of our branch people and our, and, and our, our IFA leaders and our executives. And to set up a hub for the day where people can come and meet their local guards, raise some concerns, or just even put a face to their local guards because there's one thing that we know, and it's, it's coming up time and time again, that visibility and knowledge of your local guards is a huge, huge um, source of comfort for people living in rural areas. From what you've said there, Brian, this is concerning crime reduction, fear of crime that may never come, but prevention of crime and educating people in how to be more careful about their possessions, uh, the value of a good, solid lock, the value of CCTV. But then again, we know, of course... Things are often apparently against the law-abiding citizen because if you have CCTV, you must somewhere indicate publicly that CCTV is in operation. Venues and times when people can meet with their local guard at Shikana, representatives in conjunction with the IFA. Now, I have www.garda.ie as the website where a list of venues and times are available. That's right. All those venues are, are listed online and... They'll be and, and for IFA members, it'll be put out through our network in terms of online and our network and uh, through the text message system sent to, to alert members in areas where it's happening. But there's a point to make there just on, on the, the the cameras that's really, really worth while making. So one of the... The reason we put up cameras, the reason we put up gates, the reason we put locks and things is to be a deterrent and to warn people off even attempting to target these areas. And that's what we're seeing time and time again is when you put in a measure, highlighting the fact you have a measure, and that serves a really strong deterrent to would be uh, would be criminals and would, would be would be, would be people that are, are targeting premises because a lot of the crimes we're finding and a lot of the reports we're getting it's opportunistic. Someone walks by a yard, the gates open. Someone thinks the yard is quiet. There's no lights. They get in there. They're going to have cover of darkness. So it's opportunistic, and it's trying to take away that opportunity every chance we get makes a big impact and at two three four or five in the morning you see some lights on in a farmyard well then that might very well be a crime 
in operation because very few people would be loading livestock two, three, four or five in the morning. And if you see that happening, you should be on the alert and ideally have a phone number which the IFA will give to you, the Garda Shikon will give to you, where you can alert the authorities and perhaps prevent the rustling, shall we say, of sheep or other livestock because that can happen, of course. It can, of course. And it is, it is really important that people report anything that happens because that feeds into national statistics. And when, in fairness, when the guards and the Garda Shikon are looking for resources, it's those national statistics that are used to, to decide where resources go. And as you understand, like, like the Angarda Shiakana are working very hard with the resources they have. And they, and it, it would often be said to us that, like, people would like to see the guards have more resources. And the guards themselves want more resources as well, you know. So the importance of logging and reporting any incident is critical. And, it, like, no matter how small people think it is, it's really important to report everything. People should be aware that they must store very, very carefully fertiliser in bags, if it's in that form, or be aware that certain commodities at different times have a tremendous uh, increase in value. And at the moment, due to various circumstances, not least the Ukrainian-Russian war, fertiliser and slurry, grain, livestock, all those things now have a far greater value and they should be stored carefully and securely, and when I say securely, they should be stored in a way that if somebody does attempt to break in, it'll take them an awful long time to get through the various precautions you've taken. Absolutely. When a tonne of fertiliser was 350 a tonne, and it's a big bulky item, for a, someone, a thief, or a, someone who was trying to buy, uh, rob something to sell it again, it's not that attractive. But now it's worth a thousand euros a tonne, and, it, and it's, more, it's even worth more, like the hassle is nearly worth it, a thief, if you know what I mean, um, to, to rob it. So, like fertilizer is a key thing that we'd be looking at now, where people are asking us about, and it's important. It's kept secure, and it's kept secure in yards. Um, again, take away that offer. Don't present anyone with an opportunity to take it on you. And try and vary your movements. There are various things. The Garda Shikana will tell you it comes as second nature to them, but there are things that people should be made aware of. The potential for theft when something like fertilizer is invaluable and might be the difference between a person making a go of their crop or their livestock yeah. enterprise and, and not so. Um, the, thing, the other thing I'd say is the importance of looking out for neighbours. And that's another key key area we're looking around, around the National Road Safety Forum is the important, this time of the year it's not as bad because it's bright evening with a lot more people moving around. But obviously in the, in, the, in the fall of the year and in the winter of the year with longer nights, you know the key to keep an eye and keep an eye, throw an eye in the neighbour's place. Keep an eye, be vigilant. Um, a lot of times as well with rural crime, what we're seeing as well is that it happens in a burst. That an area might be targeted, and there's a couple of places, or more than even a couple of places, a few places that hit around the same time, and that goes to show you. So if it happens to one place, it's likely that it's after happening somewhere else that same evening or even in the next couple of days. So that's the key to. Looking in and looking in your neighbours and making people aware of things that are happening. Speaking to Mr. Brian Rush, the IFA Deputy President. Brian, thank you very much for all of that information. But for someone who has just tuned in, would you please remind us about what your role is? I understand you're co-chair of the National Rural Safety Forum, and you've been talking to our listeners up to now about the National Community Engagement Day, Wednesday, April 27th. That will consist there of. Uh, the local farmers, local residents cooperating with the 
law and order authorities, and uh, a list of venues and times, as you pointed out, on www.garda.ie. And in that way, then, you'll be working in conjunction with the special scheme, and I think the key person there is the Garda Shikona Assistant Commissioner, Miss Paula Hillman. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's right. We have a very good working relationship with the um, Citizen Garden Commission, Paula Hellman. She actually came in and spoke to our National Council there recently. And I'd say to anyone out there, like, people are very, very hungry for information from the guards. And that's a meeting most of our executives have every year and one of our best attended meetings. And it's a relationship that's very important. It's very important to our members as well and to initiatives like the, the World Safety Forum and National Community Engagement Day. We're just going to strengthen them further. We are still speaking to Mr. Brian Rush, IFA Deputy President. Brian, in general, apart from rural crime prevention, what would the top two or three main challenges be facing your members? Like, there's a few different areas. Obviously, one of the key areas there that was in use there recently, and in terms of IFA, actually did a report on the horticulture sector and regarding the impact on um, the supply chain um, on farmers' income. So uh, the compression at retail level, so the concentration of power at retail level and how that's putting pressure on farmers and their income um, and what they're getting for their produce. So obviously the minister's commitment of a food ombudsman that will protect and the farmer and look strongly at the supply chain and, and penalise any unfairness that they may find. That Now, listen, there's legislation being drawn up and we'll have to have a close look at that legislation because there's a, like, there was no point in bringing in a food ombudsman if they don't have the power to protect the farmer. Because, unfortunately, farming, just by its very nature, we are actually the weakest link in the supply chain. We are, we are a price taker nearly nearly every circumstance. So we need something strong that will protect us. Another issue that's regularly coming up is around farmers' interaction with the environment, our impact on the environment, the climate change uh, budget targets. And that's something we're just, every day, is something IFA are looking at in terms of ensuring that farmers can still operate in an environment that they can make a living that can, they can grow a business and they can make space for the next generation while at the same time protecting the environment. And that's a message we need to be stronger constantly putting out 
but it's also we need to push back on some of the negative maybe rhetoric we're seeing from time to time and let's be, let's be honest some of the misinformation two words just transition i know the ifa are very well aware of climate change and the need to have a clean environment and we find the european union with their cap review say far stricter schemes in the new cap but at the same time this one issue which seems to divide urban and rural Ireland, turf and turf burning, I think the general educated, knowledgeable response there is to observe just transition. You can't say overnight stop burning turf, stop selling turf, but I think the IFA and other people who've studied the situation realise climate change is on the way, but if we are going to stop people burning turf, it's already happening. More and more people are going to other types of fuel. But there must be, I think those two key words are just transition, ease people into it with their consent. Yeah, absolutely. You need to bring people on a journey, John. And the problem we have, the problem I have, and I think IFA have been good at this in terms of having those conversations, listening to farmers' concerns and then advocating for that. But the problem we have with some of the statements we hear coming from government at times is it just doesn't bring people on the journey. It's leaving people behind. Like you said, it's not a just transition. And, and I think in order to, to, to achieve some of the changes that are being asked of us, we need to take a breath at times. We need to think about who who are going to have to make these changes and what is the possible impact on their life and their income and their business. We need to recognise that. And I'd ask some politicians that are listening to take to remember that because these are huge changes that will happen at farm level and across rural Ireland. And without the people living in rural Ireland on board, none of it's going to happen. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Brian Rush, IFA Deputy President. Thank you, Brian, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. Mr Michael McCarthy, Tillage Advisor, Chagaskin Mallow, County Cork, joins us on the Farm Programme with an overview of the tillage situation. But first, details of an upcoming crops walk. We're actually having a, a, a crop walk next Wednesday the 27th. It's on at 7 o'clock in the evening in Bandon Grammar School. We're having a crop walk in Bandon next Wednesday at 7pm um, on the farm of Calvert and Keith Smith Bandon Grammar School. And that crops walk, 27th of April, Wednesday, 27th of April, 7pm. First of all, a winter and spring crops overview. You've been, of course, going over various kinds of holdings. So a comment in general, insofar as you can, on winter and spring crops overview. Winter, uh, winter and spring crops, it, it, we're in April now and we're, you know, we're, we're in the peak growing season now, John, when it comes to uh, winter crops and, and spring crops as well. You know, so there's a lot of key management decisions must be made now in the next couple of weeks. And to, 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 and to ensure that we get our full yields and 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 the full potential of the crops. So look, I, I if I turn to winter crops first, I, I won't ramble on about all the winter crops. Look, the main ones that we are going to be concerned about are, are winter barley and winter wheat. And you know, it was it started as a tough spring on winter crops. John, the, the weather was cold and it was wet, and and you know, winter barley and winter wheat were kind of stagnant for a while. They didn't really do anything. But you know, in the last pick up a growth there since since the start of April. Both winter and wheat have really come along and I suppose look if I if I turn to winter barley, you know, depending on the variety that the farmer might have planted, winter barley is anywhere at the moment from, you know, a strong second node up to up to flag leaf fully out. So, 
you know, it's nearing the end of its growing season as regards the farmer making decisions on it. There's only a few jobs left now, like maybe a bit of growth regulator and the final disease spread. I suppose one thing I would emphasize is that at this stage now, winter barley should have all its fertilizer out. There's no point in, in, in prolonging fertilizer any longer. That said, most winter barley crops, they're at a great timing now for a growth regulator, if it's needed. And I will emphasize the point, Johnny, if it's needed, because as we know, fertilizer has been extremely expensive this year, and you know a lot of farmers have decided to... To, to hold back a bit when it comes to crops and that's fine because that's what they were advised to do because you know the savings have to be made somewhere so if you're in fear that the crop may be a bit too lush or you know that the field in particular is particularly good and that you may be at risk from lodging well now is the ideal time in in, in a winter barley crop to give it a growth regulator um there are loads of products out there on the market. There's, there, there, there's, you know, the main ones would be Tarpal or Medix Max or Modus. So, you know, the farmers have a great choice of products now. But look, as with all springs and growth regulators are, are no different, watch the conditions, watch the nighttime temperature, watch the daytime temperature, and just be wary of water rate and, and all those factors that, can, that can, can come into play to harm the crop after things go wrong. And no different any other year, John, we, we would always recommend that the final fungicide in winter barley grows when the awns are peeping. Because researchers showed us um, up in Oak Park that that is when uh, our fungicides are going to get the best value for money when the awns are just peeping. Is barley subject to any particular threat or challenge at the moment? Fungicides for anything which may be attacking potentially your barley? Yeah, so look, we're, we're always mindful of of three main diseases when it comes to barley, and that is neck blotch, rhinchosporium, and ramularia. And it's it's all about key timings, John. You know, um, product choice is one thing, but it's the timing of when uh, products get applied is, is very very critical. And we know from research done in Park that ramularia. Is, is, is a bad disease. We don't want it in our crops. It causes a lot, a lot of damage. And we know that ramillary is a time-critical control. We need to be in there just when those arms are peeping to control ramillaria, okay? Um, if I was to move on then, John, you know, when it comes to, if I move from winter barley, say, to spring barley, which which we stick with those two crops because they, they're, the, they're the main crops that will be grown here in Cork winter and spring barley. Um, you know, barley yellow dwarf virus is always a threat, okay? Um, unfortunately, in County Cork, we are in a high-risk area for barley yellow dwarf virus. And it all goes back to we can't control barley yellow dwarf virus, but we can control the pests that uh, harbour the virus, which is the, the grain aphid, okay? Now, I suppose we have to make allowances for the fact that, look, you know, when it comes to pesticides, John, and especially insecticides, they have a bad rip, you know, they're, they're not seen as great in the public eye, and, and farmers are aware of this, and farmers don't want to be just freely applying uh, insecticides for no good reason, and that's why in Changisk at the moment, we are doing our best. Look, it, it's taking time, but we are getting there to try and develop a sort of a, a decision support system for farmers when it comes to using insecticides. 
we know that barely a year of the war fires is, you know, it can cause huge amounts of damage. You know, that, that where a crop can be infected, say, has a 30% infection of, of barley and dwarf virus, it can cause, you know, up to two or two and a half ton to the acre yield yield drop at harvest. You know, so this it's 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 something that really needs to be we need to stay on top on. What what I would suggest to farmers is that, you know, our advice traditionally was the earlier you sow a spring crop, so if you were sowing a spring crop in March, you generally were at the lower end of the risk spectrum. So you shouldn't need an aphicide. Now, that being said, there's a few more factors we need to take in. As you move into April sowing, you're increasing your risk of aphids coming into your crop and thus increasing your risk of BYDV transmission into the crop. So if you're sowing in April, then yes, absolutely, you need um, an aphicide. Now, Jagus calves suction towers put up in three different areas of the country uh, last year, John. And what these suction towers do is they're sucking in the flying insects and we're trying to get a, an idea of when aphids fly and what sort of numbers of aphids fly so that we can further inform farmers that aphids flies is high this week, be vigilant. You know, so we know that the suction towers at the end of March were pulling in a lot of flying aphids. And, that's, and when aphids are flying, that's when they're moving from crop to crop, you know, and that's when crops are vulnerable. So what I would say to farmers is, look, a lot of uh, spring barley has been sown in March this year, right? So we're starting on a low risk. So the next thing to do is, it's a four-leaf stage timing is what we want, right? Ideally, three to five leaves with four is, is the ideal timing. Get into the crop and go to the sheltered areas of the field and look down into the crop. Maybe bring a magnifying glass if you have to. But aphids love to hide in the base of the leaves, John. Okay? And they can be hard to they can be hard to see sometimes. But if you can pull the plant apart and, and if you can find the aphids in there, well then your risk has just increased another bit and you have more justification to to, to, to apply an aphicide again, you know? Um, so if you're finding aphids in your crop, or also the history of the field, John, if you know that the field in particular has had BYDV problems in the past, then there's another justification for going on again with an aphicide. So it, it, it's all about assessing the risk and making a proper informed decision at the end of the day. Farmers don't want to be seen in, in a bad light just just freely spraying insecticides all over the place because we know that we're trying to target the aphid, but we know that it's not just the aphid gets targeted when we spray. We know that there's other other insects as well get get get, get killed, and that's not that, that's what we want. We want to minimise that as much as possible, John. So it's all about assessing the risk and making an informed decision on applying an aphicide. An incentive there would be the European Union, the EU Commission has sent back our submission of the cap reform review of plans we had for the environment, but they've sent that back to us and, and pointed out several areas where we must tighten up uh, security of the environment. They've sent back the proposal submitted by the government and they say we must uh, point out 
where we can reduce uh, fungicides or fungicides and, in general, enhance the atmosphere. So yellow dwarf virus is one of the prominent threats to, to barley. Turning next, Michael, to the tillage incentive scheme that's been much publicised, but has there been you know, a divided opinion regarding the possibilities of having a successful tillage incentive scheme? Yeah, the tillage incentive scheme, it's, it's, it's been around for a couple of weeks now, and I suppose the farmers know what the, the basic deal is. It is it's, it's a 400 euro hectare payment um, if they can plant cereals into what must have been uh, lay ground last year, okay? Uh, also, what is acceptable is ground that was in potatoes, Last year, when I say last year, I mean 2021. It had to be either declared as lay, so grass, uh, or potatoes in 2021. So, look, you're right, John. It has sparked all sorts of arguments. Look, um, the, the biggest thing is that you must be shown to increase your cereal acreage, okay, uh, from 2021. Now, if you're starting from zero, it's very easy to increase your cereal acreage. But when you're an existing tillage farmer, well, then you're not already able to do that. You may not have access to land, to grass ground, and so it's, the scheme is probably not of much benefit to you. But it is a benefit, I suppose. Look, I, I, I can imagine the department wanted to go down a route that of a scheme that was open to everyone as opposed to something that was just exclusive to one sector of farming. So that's why they came out with this scheme I do want to emphasise, John, that this is not a reseeding scheme, okay? And it cannot be treated as such. Arable silage is not allowed. It is not an eligible crop. Now, what I mean by arable silage is the traditional, old-fashioned, three-way grass seed, cereal, and legume, be it a pea or a veg mix, okay? So if that's what you're planting, that is not eligible for the payment. What is eligible, however, is if a person wants to undersaw grass into the cereal crop that they grow. And I would, again, I would stress caution in that, remember, this is a tillage incentive scheme. So the department are going to pay for tillage crops. And they will be inspecting the scheme. They have told us they will be inspecting the scheme. And what they expect to see if they arrive out to your farm in June or July, they expect if you have declared, say, spring wheat or spring barley or spring oats on your BPS farm, that they will expect to see commercial crops of spring barley, spring oats or spring wheat on your BPS farm. They, they do not expect to see a half grass, half cereal mix. That will not be eligible. They have told us that. So it means that for anyone planning to undersaw, they must still go with a full commercial seed rate, which will be somewhere in the region of, you know, your, your, your 160 to 190 kilos of cereal to the hectare in order to qualify for this scheme. So, yeah, it, it, it is back to the controversy, John, but, you know, um, I suppose, look, there are several factors. Um, the other The other factor I see, too, is that you know, people when they when they decide to do the figures, and they decide, you know, okay, is it worth taking out this grass to grow cereal? And then, like I, I, I had a person yesterday got quoted eleven hundred euros a ton for can. You know, costs are extremely high, and 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 risk is extremely high. So it's just, you know, beware that 
when you plow up lay ground, you know, it more than likely will need lime, peas and canes could be low, you know what I mean? And and always I, I would stress to people that on year one of plowing up lay, it may not always return the best yield because the sod must decompose and it's often in year two ploughing lay that we get better yields. Thank you very much indeed for all of your valuable time, Mr. Michael McCarthy, Chagask Advisor, Chagask Sandfields, Mallow and County Cork. Thank you, John. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, we have Mr. Declan O'Brien, news correspondent with the Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Declan, welcome to the programme. Now, in a recent issue of your paper, the Irish Farmers Journal, you pointed out the update of the Chagas situation and outlook for Irish agriculture this year, 22. The Tagus update found that beef farmer incomes are likely to drop in 2022 by 25% compared to 2021. This was because input costs have increased by 24% to 30%, they're saying. It was a similar situation predicted for the sheep sector with incomes there down 20%. The average tillage operation could see net income fall from 47,000 last year to 30,000 this year as a result of higher costs. Although that came with a caveat that it was very difficult to predict where yields would go this year because of just being so early in the season. However, the main losses were going to be in the pig sector. We all know that pigs are described as feed on four feet. And the hike in, in feed cost could cost your average 600 cow pig help up to three or 430,000 this year because of losses. The one enterprise that seems to be weathering the storm is dairying, and that's a reflection really of trend of commodity markets, of dairy commodity markets, they said that despite the increased cost, that the dairy sector incomes will more or less hold this year. And they have indicated in December, Tiger figures from their economic unit in, in Aten Roy, indicated that the average dairy farmer income this year is going to be in the region of €95,000. So they just have the, the, the muscle and the scale to ride through this storm. Chagas seemed to summarise the whole situation by saying, quote, it remains to be seen to what extent the increase in output prices, the prices the farmers receive, will compensate these farmers for the rise in their production costs. The net effect on the farm incomes is likely to be sector and farmer specific. And as you pointed out there, Dairying seems to be doing pretty well, but others like the pig finishing units of 600 sows likely to top 430,000 euro losses this year. So you have that um, situation facing people. The first time, listen, we have faced an inflationary crisis like this since the first half of the 1980s, obviously. But it, it's, it's continuing, it's not abating. This week, we saw urea, the cost of urea, being quoted at above 1,100 euros and up to 1,200 euros a tonne in some cases. That's hidden for 300% increase 
this year. So usage is going to be way back. I think a lot of farmers are going to batten down the hatches. I'm trying to ride through this storm, but that can be done for this year. But it, it will have to be addressed somewhere down along the line. Farmers are, are saying they're going to have to recoup their expenses and food inflation is going to be the, the net result of that. On the other side of that, though, is there was a recent Cantal study, the, the body that looks at consumer spending in the supermarkets, identified a significant switch by consumers to own brand labels in the supermarket. So, Declan, thank you very much for your valuable time. Thank you, Declan. Thank you, John. Declan O'Brien, news correspondent with the Irish Farmers Journal. And that's it for the Farm Talk programme. My thanks to Barry O'Mahony and to Marie Tuig for their contributions to the programme again this week. I'm John O'Connor, and a very special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.